0: Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God, without error, and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. You know, my purpose in this message this morning, uh, as it has been in, our, in every message in our series, uh, Jesus, God Revealed, uh, is to open a... Just a small window in your mind to the infinite expanses uh, and and attributes of God as those are revealed to us by Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, our our flagship verse in this series has been John chapter 14 verse 9 where Jesus uh, uh, says to Philip, He who has seen me has seen the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. You know, Pastor Jim has done a great job over the past few weeks in in this series teaching us and showing us how Jesus reveals to us the power of God, the the authority of God, and the glory of God. And this morning, my my intent is to show you how Jesus also reveals to us the, the wisdom of God so that we might see it more clearly love Him more intensely, trust Him more firmly, and obey Him more joyfully. Amen? And I tell you, this is a, a weighty undertaking uh, and I, that just kind of came over me the other, other day when we were talking about this series that we're trying to explain God you know, the creator of the universe, the one that set every star, every planet, uh, every rock, every grain of sand in place, that who who, who his word says uh, the oceans rest in the palm of his hand, uh, that he has your name and my name engraved there. Uh, you know, how, how do you describe the undescribable? Anyway, uh, I'm going to begin by reading uh, what Paul said in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 2, Paul says, That their hearts may be encouraged, having been been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full, full assurance of understanding, resulting in true knowledge of God's mystery. That is, Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, not some, not a few, but all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, Paul is telling us here that the wisdom and knowledge of God is found in Christ Jesus. You know, as we talk about God's wisdom this morning, remember uh, what uh, the psalmist said in, in Psalms 147, verse 5. And I, I believe we've quoted this in this series before but but the psalmist writes great is our lord and abundant in strength his understanding is infinite his understanding is infinite in other words god's wisdom god's understanding has no limits has no boundaries you know and <clears throat> you know I think the lord gave me a a word of a few weeks ago and I, I meant to sh- was going to share it first service but I taught myself out of it but I think I'm supposed to uh, it's that too often we as Christians we set limits on God we set boundaries on him and why you know why in the world would we do that we you know we come and, uh and we we pray to him but we pray so small you know we don't pray for the for the for the the abundance that he wants us to have we don't pray for the we don't pray with the expectation that we should and and in doing so when we you know when we we, we run here and there like uh, like you know rats in a maze sometime trying to figure things out instead of just going to going to God and and realizing that he has no limits. He has no boundaries. There's nothing that he can't do. There's nothing he can't do for you. Regardless of what uh, a doctor may tell you, (laughs) there's nothing God can't do for you. Regardless of a a, a broken relationship, there's nothing God can't do for you. He has no limits. He has no boundaries. Whatever that dream is that he's given you, it's still there. Don't give up on it. Amen. God has no limits and no boundaries. You know, when it comes to God's uh, wisdom, no- nothing ever is ever a mystery to Him. He's never puzzled, He's never confused. <clears throat> he's never uncertain. God's wisdom is perfect, it's unchangeable and it's consistent. The Bible says that God's wisdom is very deep, so deep that his, his judgments are unsearchable. In other words, we can't get there from here. You know, it's, it's far beyond us. <coughs> God's wisdom is so deep that the Bible says His ways are untraceable. You know, we can't follow what He's doing uh, without being hopelessly over our heads. Today I want to talk to you about how Jesus reveals this magnificent and incomparable wisdom of God. And and if you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to be teaching primarily from from verses 17 through 31. And and rather than reading the entire passage (coughs) as we begin here... (coughs) I'm, I'm going to read it. In, we're going to read it in segments. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter one, Paul is is um, is writing to the church at Corinth because of a problem that's that's going on there. You know, usually when we read the the letters of Paul, he's always addressing a, a particular thing, and and that's the same way with this letter to to Corinth to the Christians at at, at Corinth. Uh, Paul's routing to the church at Corinth because some division division and disunity is kind of setting in there. He's, he's heard about this. And, and before we go on, keep in mind that, you know, when we, when we talk about some of the cities in the Bible, we kind of lose, uh, we don't really understand or have a perspective as to what these were. In, in, in Paul's day, Corinth would have been kind of like New York. Or somewhere like that, or, or Los Angeles. It was a big center, and 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 people from all cultures, from all over the world, came through Corinth. And, and as they came through, they brought all sorts of uh, philosophies and ideas and 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 theories of of, of, of um, all sorts of things. And and this was the, the kind of the, the the milieu of the the culture that Paul was had preached into at Corinth. And now these these Corinthian believers who had came to the Lord, uh, you know, they believed Paul's message, but now they're kind of seem to be drifting away a little bit. They're, they're, they're trying to add their own human philosophy and human wisdom and and human reasoning to what Christ has already done for them. Now certainly, you know, and I'm not saying that that if we you're a Christian you're you're the smartest person in the room uh, that's not that's not true you know Christ, becoming a Christian doesn't give us the answers to everything but what the people in Corinth were trying to do was trying to take the message of Paul the the message of the gospel and add all these things to it you know when it comes to human wisdom and human understanding uh, you know, like I said, we as Christians don't have all the answers. You know, when it comes to things like electronics or math or or science, uh, you know, uh, or any other field of just human learning, um, you know, many non-believers are more educated than we are as believers. They're more brilliant. They're more talented. Uh, they're more experienced than many of us as believers. You know, so think about it. If, you, if you're going to, if your car breaks down and you want to go get it fixed, you're going to take it to the best mechanic, right? And you're not going to ask him ahead of time, are you a Christian? You probably should, but we don't. Because we want the best mechanic. You know, if I've got to have a an operation in my body, I I want the best surgeon. I want to know that he's the best before I, unfortunately, before I ask if he's a, Christian, or a Jew, or a Muslim, or what have you, or an atheist. Uh, so, you know, the human wisdom and human learning in those areas is, is great. And we should thank God for, for it. You know, but, it, but if we want answers to, to what life is about, answers about where we came from, where we're going, why we're here, uh, answers about meaning and purpose in life, answers about what's right and what's wrong, uh, then human learning can't help us. Human learning can't help us. And we need to keep that in the in our mind because, uh, well, let me move on. I was about to get political there, but I won't. Because uh, um, there's always somebody out there that's going <laughs> to try to tell you that he knows what you need, you know. And he can he can handle your problem much better. Enough of that. <laughs> uh, well, I've watched too much news, um, but the Word of God teaches us that 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 human attempts to, to, to find such answers about the important questions that, uh, that, you know, human wisdoms to find to find answers there is is doomed to fail. Um, We can only find the answers when we turn to God's wisdom. And and that wisdom, God's divine wisdom, is revealed to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And and, and how does Jesus reveal God's wisdom? He reveals it, for our purposes today, He reveals it at and through the cross. At and through the cross. That's kind of the thesis statement of uh, of this message today. Through the cross, Jesus reveals the wisdom of God. He reveals the majesty and the magnificence of God's wisdom. You know, as we're going to see as we go through 1 Corinthians here, chapter 1, 17 through 31, that Paul's, Paul begins to show us the, uh, in this passage really five aspects of God's wisdom: uh, the preeminence, the permanence, the power, The paradox and the purpose of God's wisdom. So let's begin in verse 17. I'm going to read verses 17 and 18. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Hmm. You know, here Paul is beginning to kind of slowly lift the veil to show us the majesty and the beauty of the wisdom of God as revealed in the cross. You know, he's, <coughs> he's holding up the, the beauty of the cross to a people and we have, we have to remember this. He's holding the beauty of the cross up to a people that had been, been conditioned culturally not to even think about crucifixion, not to even talk about it uh, because of what it signifies. You know, crucifixion itself was so horrible, and it wasn't even mentioned in polite society. Yet here Paul is displaying the cross as the wisdom of God. Here, Paul, he, he's fully aware that the church at Corinth has, been, has become influenced by the world, and, and, and as a result of that, it's becoming fractured and it's struggling, and, it, and it's beginning to fail in its mission. And his advice to, to, to the believers there is to, is to glory, glory in the raw, uncensored message of the cross. And Paul is saying that the message of the cross is the very wisdom of, and glory of God. You know, it, it 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 can't be dressed up. It can't be amended. It can't be ignored, and it can't be added to. And so that that's what the the Corinthians were trying to do. They were trying to amend the the message of the cross. They wanted to add their own wisdom to it, uh, and that'll never work. You know, we're so we're so far removed from the culture of Paul's day that, that we really have no conception of how of how really obscene and repulsive uh, it would have uh, been to tell people that your God was crucified on a Roman cross you know pa- Paul preached the wisdom of God using an object lesson so obscene that most most Gentiles most intelligent Gentiles would consider it ridiculous and he was constantly running into that uh, that challenge as he preached you know the crucified crucified people were seen as either rebellious slaves or or some kind of worse criminal or either you know uh, a defeated enemy of the empire of the roman empire and most gentiles not surprisingly viewed the victim of crucifixion with contempt and scorn but in light of all this For Paul and for us, the cross reveals the very essence of the wisdom of God. Paul doesn't dress up the cross with eloquent words, and he he doesn't water down its message with something that would be more people-pleasing. Instead, Paul writes in verse 18, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it's the power of God. You know, Paul is showing us here, and the the first point I wanted to make, he's shown us the preeminence, the preeminence of God's wisdom. God's wisdom is always preeminent. Nothing can challenge it. Nothing can overcome it. Nothing can rise above it. And at the cross, Jesus displays the preeminence and, and, and glorious wisdom of God. Now, point number two that I want you to see is at the cross, Jesus also reveals to us the permanence, the permanence of God's wisdom. Look with me at verses 19 and 20. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You know, in verse 20, Paul's specifically teaching that human wisdom not only is unreliable, but really is not permanent. It's not going to last. And and, and listen to that verse again, where where Paul says, where's the wise person? Now keep in mind, again, this is a culture uh, in Corinth where you've got where, where intelligence and, and philosophy is the preeminent thing, thinking. You know, you had all these great philosophers, all these great uh, 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 thinkers. Uh, and, and Paul's saying, where is the wise person? Where, where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And let me paraphrase here just a little bit. You know, Paul is really asking one question here. But it's kind of got three parts. Uh, and I believe that, that we can see an application uh, that will help us today from this message. Uh, in, in, in slightly different form, uh, Paul is asking, uh, really he's asking, where are all the smart people that have all the answers? In other words, how much, closer to, how much closer to peace is man than he was a century ago, or a millennium ago? How much closer are we to eliminating things like poverty, hunger, ignorance, crime, and immorality than, than the men were in Paul's day? You know, we're more educated than our forefathers, but we're not any more moral. We, we have more means of helping each other than we've ever had before but we're not less selfish we have more means of communicating but we don't understand each other any better we have more psychology and more education but we also have more crime more war and more discontent you know Paul is saying here don't you see that all the wisdom of your wise men your your your, your, your scribes, your teachers of the law, your, your philosophers and your debaters is, is foolishness. Nothing really changes. Life still has the same problems. People still have the same struggles. You know, human wisdom fails to see the, the root cause, which is sin. Sin. Human wisdom may see the, that selfishness causes injustice but it has no cure for selfishness. Human wisdom may see that hatred causes uh, misery and pain and destruction, but it has no cure for hatred. You know, human wisdom can see plainly that people don't get along with one another, but, but doesn't see that the real cause is that people don't get along with God. Human wisdom can't see because it refuses to see. And as long as it looks on God's wisdom as foolishness, uh, its own wisdom will will be foolish. So in the cross, Jesus is revealing to us that only God's wisdom is permanent. It's permanent, it's eternal, and all, all, all this other wisdom, human wisdom, human learning, is all terminal. It's decaying, it's going to be swept away. So so in the cross we see God's wisdom presented as preeminent and permanent. And as we move on in this this passage, we're going to see how at the cross Jesus reveals the, the power of God's wisdom. Read with me beginning in verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe for indeed Jews ask for a sign and Greeks search for wisdom but we we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness but to those who are be who are but to those who are the called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You know, that's, a, that's a powerful passage right there. Uh, you know, think about it. Mankind uh, ha, ha, has had plenty of opportunities to, to know God through wisdom. Uh, yet still, mankind didn't come to know God. Instead, God made the wisdom of man to be foolish. Time after time. Um, You know, in in the wisdom of man, Jesus is displayed as a a crucified rebel or a criminal. But in the wisdom of God, the crucified Christ is the the power of salvation. See the the dichotomy there? Wow. Um, Paul proudly proclaims the, the message of the cross because he knows that it's the wisdom of God that has established the world and that it's the wisdom of God that will save the world Mm. verse 22 and 23 says again Jews ask for signs Greeks search for wisdom but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles you know crucifixion like I said earlier was ridiculous and obscene to Gentiles but to the Jews, you know, the obstacles were even greater. The obstacle of seeing Jesus as the Messiah from God. You know, for, for a Jew to believe that, to believe in the crucified Jesus as the Messiah, you know, he would have to stray way, way away from his faith. They simply could not overcome their preconceived notions about what crucifixion signified. You know, and and when Paul proclaimed in verse 23 that he preached, what? Christ crucified. (laughs) You know, he understood that that was a message that was going to cut very deeply into the, the grain of his culture. You know, despite all the obstacles before him, however, Paul never altered. He never altered the message of the cross to make it more palatable or less socially or religiously offensive you know Paul continued to preach the cross you know he preached the cross with boldness with with conviction e- even though you know it was it was going to turn hearers away and you know that's something we rarely see you know if I'm out and I, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail there but uh, um, but you know we're all out, if I'm out to gather a crowd I want to say things those people want to hear you know and uh, and you can see if, if Paul could have he could have softened that message a little bit uh, and, and probably had much more many more people come to him but he, he refused to do that he said I, I I determined not to preach anything but Christ crucified mm. and that has to be the crux the 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 centrality of everything that we do in church is Christ crucified it all starts right there and, and emanates and we can't dress it up and, and 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 you read all the time about about churches that are that are preaching that they're not preaching the crucified Christ they're not preaching that things like hell and damnation and it's about let me say something that people want to hear let me make them feel good. You know, Paul didn't, wasn't really making these people feel good when he, in Corinth when he, when he came and proclaimed the message. Christ crucified. Let me gather back in here. So the wisdom displayed on the cross was a stumbling block to the Jews uh, and foolishness to the Gentiles, yet this is the same message that saves the world and, and, and saves sinners from hell. Paul said in verse eight, in verse eighteen, "For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God." Yeah. You know, all of us are in two conditions. Now, you notice those 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 aren't uh, past tense verbs there. Uh, those who are perishing, we're, we either are perishing, or we're are being saved. Amen. There's, there's not a, in-between there. We're one of those two things. And he's saying here that the word or the, the message of the cross uh, is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us that are being saved, it's, it's the power of God. You know, in his work at the cross, Jesus reveals to us all the wisdom of God, and he reveals the power of God's wisdom. God's power is real power. God's power always means something and accomplishes something. It's the power of salvation from sin. It's the power of deliverance from Satan. It's the power of life in God's very presence for all eternity. Amen? Moving on, point number four. At the cross, Jesus also reveals to us the paradox, the paradox of God's wisdom. Now, what do I mean by that? A paradox is, is something that says one thing, but seems to mean something else. It's, it's kind of like, uh, um, I can't think of a good example, but it's almost a statement that's self-contradictory. Um, but look with me at, verses, at verse 26 here. For, I cons- for consider your calling, brethren... That there were not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble but god has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and god has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong and has and the base things of the world and the despised god has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. And that's a mouthful there. But notice th- how many times it says, and God chose, or God, w- uh, you know, was chosen. Um, you know, the wisdom of the cross not only exalts God, but it humbles us. It humbles us. And, and there's no in-between. You know, sometimes we, t- we try to live kind of and again, I'm, um, you know, we, we want to straddle the fence. We want to, um, you know, be one way one day and another way the next. And, and you know, depending on our situation, our circumstance. And if you straddle the fence, that's, that's very uncomfortable. It's a bad place to be. Uh, I'll leave that right there. Um, but Paul presents the, the cross to a church that's divided, and that's becoming worldly and and like I said earlier instead of glorying in the message of the cross they're wrapping themselves in the trying to wrap themselves in the corrupted wisdom of the world around them and Paul, Paul tells them emphatically to look around look around see who you really are you know Paul says to them look look who God uses look who God uses the foolish, the weak, the despised The have-nots, the nobodies, Um, these are the ones who who came to the cross. The cross is not offensive to to these nobodies because they can relate to its message. You know, they understand the message of God who became as they are, this God who loves them so much that he became like them. and he, he became even worse from, than them. He became cursed for them. Cursed for you and I. Um, you know, in the cross, the ris- wisdom of God is revealed, and it's the same wisdom that was before the very foundation of the world. God would hang his own son on a cross, and there Jesus would be cursed with all the sin and ugliness of mankind. Now, that's a paradox, <laughs> You know that doesn't make sense, does it? You know, we, why would God do that? Well, He did it because He loved us. But but you see, you see the, the paradoxical nature of, of of God's wisdom there. You know, I, I I've got a whole probably a file drawer full of stuff that I, I want to ask God when I one day when I get to the other side of the Jordan there. Because you know, there's things in here that we don't understand. Amen. Uh, but just, just Jesus, Jesus became a nobody, a have not, in order to reveal to the world the wisdom of God, and that wisdom is is about humbling ourselves to the cross, that place where all where all the pride of man is stripped away, that place where there's no glory for man, but rather a place where we can. We can behold the beauty and the glory of the crucified Jesus. You know, and again, do you see that word humility? It, it, it runs through anything, just about everything we talk about in church. Humility recognizes our nothingness and brings us to our knees at the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. You know, the world measure, measures greatness by many standards. And, and at the top are things like intelligence, uh, wealth, prestige, uh, position. Uh, uh, th- and, and these are all things that, paradoxically, God determines to, be, to put at the bottom. God reveals the greatness of His power by demonstrating that it's the, it's the world's nobodies that are His somebodies according to god the, the, the greatest man that ever lived was who john the baptist john the baptist apart from jesus himself john had no formal education no training uh... Um, no profession uh, no money no military rank uh, he had no political position he had no social standing or pedigree no prestige uh, No, in the bible says he, he was not impressive in appearance and he wasn't a great speaker uh, yet Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven, truly I say to you among those born of women there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist you know the man John the Baptist fit none of the world's standards but he's fit all of God's standards and what he became was all to the credit of God's power and God's wisdom You know, the cross of Christ is paradoxical. It makes no sense in the eyes of human wisdom. But at the cross, Jesus reveals the magnificence of God's wisdom and the magnificence of God's understanding. You know, finally at the cross, Jesus reveals the purpose of God's wisdom. Look with me at verse, beginning with verse 29. So that no man may boast before God, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as, as it is written, let him who boast boast in the Lord. You know, the first and, and primary purpose of the wisdom of God that we see in, in the cross is that God be glorified, Amen. Jesus reveals the wisdom of God through His work on the cross, and that work produced salvation for us and glorifies our heavenly Father. You know, no no human will ever have a need or a um, or a reason uh, to boast in the presence of God. You know we. We have to humble ourselves before the cross because, wow, you know, think about it like this. The cross, because the cross has become the mercy seat, the place where Christ's blood was shed before his Father and where our sins are forgiven. All that happened right there on that that Roman cross. Um. You know, through the wisdom of the cross, we not only have salvation, because that's the only way we can get it. Uh, you know, there's no salvation without the cross. But through the wisdom of the cross, we also have access to all that all that is Christ's. In fact, the the, the cross allows God to do what? To place us in Christ. You know, you can. You can't hardly read any of Paul's writings without seeing a proliferation of that term in Christ, in Christ, in him. Um, And it's the cross that allows God to place us in Christ. You know, the cross gives us wisdom, and the cross is the gateway for the righteousness, the sanctification, and the redemption of Christ to be ours. You know, by the Father's doing, believers are placed in Christ. Because of this, we possess the wisdom of God, which is what, according to Paul? Christ crucified. You know, the very essence, that's the very essence of God's wisdom. Through his wisdom, we have justification with God. We have sanctification in his presence. And we have total redemption for all eternity. You know, wow! You know, that's those are all words that we. I know we chunk them around a lot, but they're so power-packed. Don't ever take them for granted. Um, You know, to me, when I reflect on the cross, and I I, I honestly don't do it as often as I should. but when I reflect on the cross, when I reflect on the wisdom of God revealed at the cross, I, I'm just kind of blown away by its magnificence. Mm. You know, I, I'm I'm crushed by by the awesomeness of it. I, I'm humbled by its majesty and and, and its significance. Um, and you know, I think that that may be what Paul had in mind when he wrote. Uh, this passage in Romans chapter 11. I think he was feeling that same weight. Paul wrote in Romans 11, beginning with verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him that he might be be paid back to him again for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever you know and it's interesting that Paul follows that that great uh, praise dissertation right there with with an incredible therefore statement doesn't he beginning uh, with verse 1 in chapter 12 therefore And that therefore is referring to what we just read, what he just said. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, how do we do this? How do we do that? Um, how do you and I live that out in our own life? You know, we, we encourage one another, we, you know, to you know, pray, read your word, uh, be in fellowship. Um, and, and those are all of vital importance. But we have to, I think the starting point is we have to continually Embrace the cross. Embrace the cross. And what we're embracing is not a uh, some fine polished sanded piece of wood. It's a it's a rugged beam. If you embrace the cross, you're gonna get get your hands scarred a little bit. Maybe your arms nicked. Get splinters in you. Uh, you may get blood on your hands. But we. We have to embrace the cross. And, and we have to be very intentional about doing that. Uh, you know, we have to keep the cross ever before our eyes and, and and in our mind and in our heart. And we have to allow the cross to, to daily drive us to our knees in reverence and deep humility. Mm. You know, I think... Uh, the hymnist Isaac Watts kind of understood what we're talking about here, what Paul was talking about, about the wisdom and the power, the 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 preeminence, the the permanence, the even the paradox and the and the purpose of God's wisdom. He wrote a hymn back in the the mid 1700s called "When I Survey the Wondrous Cross." Any have you ever heard that? Just me? A few of you? Okay. Let me read the lyrics of that. It says, When I survey the wondrous cross On which the Prince of Glory died, My richest gain I count but loss And poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast Save in the death of Christ my God All the vain things that charm me most I sacrifice them to the blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet Sorrow and love flow mingle down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small? Love so amazing, so divine, demands, demands my soul, my life, my all. How long has it been since you've embraced the cross? How long has it been since you've just sat and and gazed at the cross in your mind or meditated on it or or as this song says, surveyed it? You know, the cross is is the, the pivotal point of human history. And Jesus is the centerpiece of the cross. You see the beauty in that, the magnificence. Uh, you know, let me ask you today: Have you have you humbled yourself before the cross? Have, have you have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Uh, you know, have you have you surrendered yourself to Him? Have you expressed your your faith that and belief that Jesus did and was who He said He was? If you haven't done that, why why wait another minute? W- won't you come forward and 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 make that good confession? Uh, we'll have people up here to pray with you. Uh, uh, maybe maybe you've maybe you were close to the cross at one time, and now you've kind of you've kind of drifted away. We, we're kind of become like the Corinthians. We start trying to uh, add some worldly stuff to our life, and pretty soon all that worldly stuff is kind of clouded our vision of the cross that makes sense Uh, so if that's you come up and and let us pray a a prayer of rededication to you or come to the altar and pray it yourself You know at the beginning of the of the service I I said that God it is is limitless and and he has no boundaries so if you've got a need in your life this morning if you're struggling with something why carry that burden yourself? You know, we all carry stuff that there's no way we're ever going to figure out. Amen? Uh, you know, if we walk around trying to do things in our own understanding, and our own strength, and our own power, we're going to be hopelessly lost. We're going to make some horrible decisions. But when we rely on God's wisdom, his understanding, his strength, then there's no limits, no boundaries, amen?